This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. Hi, I'm Dan, Arsenal fan. You can get me on Twitter at the underscore jersey underscore fits. Nick, Liverpool fan. Uh, talk for Apple Index about fantasy football. and You can follow that at AIFantasyFooty. Yeah, I'm Dan from... Uh... I don't know where I'm from at the minute. I'm frustrated with Pulis. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a Baggies fan. Um, you can get me on Twitter at Baggies Facts. Cheers. Yep, thanks so much for joining us, guys. Up first, of course, we have Making the Rounds, where we each have a few minutes to discuss what's been happening at our clubs this week. Dan, we'll start off with you talking a little bit about Arsenal. Alexis Sanchez is fit, it seems. Uh, yeah, he's fit and scoring already, but... Um... Yeah, he came back officially against Chelsea for the last 20 minutes, but we're not going to talk about that. Um, yeah, no, this week the main thing that happened is we got a lot of players back from injury, so some new players will be hurt soon. Um, and we played Burnley. That game went pretty well. Mohamed Elneny made his debut uh, against Burnley, played all 90 minutes. He was solid. That's the most passes I saw. Yeah, most passes and most touches. Uh, which is exactly what you want from a recite. What, what we want him to be is kind of like Mikel Arteta with legs, because legs are helpful in football. Um, yeah, we just want, although he's been brought in as a defensive midfielder, but he played more as a box-to-box role because Coughlin was back and he was playing as defensive midfielder. But um, what we want him to do is be more of the guy who can just recycle possession. But he needs to be able to defend, obviously, but he'll just... Keep a play taking over, recycle possession, not as much as destroyer, more of a guy who's going to control the game. And again, he played box box, not the uh, defensive midfield role. But from what we saw from that, it looked about as promising as that can look, considering all he's doing is completing short passes. But um, uh, he was solid, and he loves to have a shot. He had five, which was surprising, but hey, whatever. Um, as far as the rest of the game, like you said, Alexis Sanchez is fit, scored the second goal, assisted the first one. Um, he's great. I love him. Uh, Callum Chambers scored the first goal with a ridiculous finish, if anyone saw that. Yeah, outside of the foot. It was gorgeous. Yeah, I, I was not expecting I was expecting that to go at least five feet wide. Like, And, I, and when the goalkeeper didn't react immediately, I'm like, that is going for either just a corner or a throw-in, and then it just goes into the top corner. I'm like, oh, well. Huh. But, um, yeah. Then the second goal was a fantastic counterattack. Uh, Alexis finished it off from an Alex Oakley-Chamberlain cross. He finally did something. Good job, Ox. Um, he's had a tough season, but he had a pretty good game, even if Arsenal Twitter refuses to allow him to have had a good game because he apparently needs to score five goals for anyone to compliment him at this point. But, 
Hey, that's Arsenal Twitter for you, isn't it? Um, if it makes you feel any better, all of us are the same. Yeah. <laughs> it just seems to be more true. of you on Twitter. Uh, no one does agendas like football Twitter. But, um, yeah, uh, it's a pretty good game. We conceded, which was a shame, but we won. We're through to the fifth round. Uh, as far as um, Thomas Rizicki may or may not have got hurt again, I'm not sure. <laughs> I've seen reports fit, but it hasn't been confirmed by anybody. Um, he'd just come back and he came up off the bench first game since May, but there have been reports that he got hurt again. Uh, it's, I love him so much, but he's just dead. He's dead. Um, they really just threw out a dead body onto the field to go run around for a few minutes, but, um, yeah, no, outside of that, no new injuries, and it went pretty well on to Southampton on Tuesday. Yeah, you mentioned there that Rosicki may have gotten re-injured. Also reports that Wilshire has gotten injured again. With all the competitions piling up again once February starts, we have more FA Cup matches, obviously. Champions League and Europa League are back as well. Are you thinking that you'll continue to challenge on all fronts, or do you think you'll focus on the Premier League, considering it is so open at the moment? I mean, I'm kind of already having us out of the Champions League because Barcelona are by far the best team in the world. Everyone else in that competition is just playing for second. So we'll be out of that after March, and that'll only be two extra games. FA Cup, I think we'll continue. We'll do... I think we'll do essentially what we've done the last couple of years. <laughs> and just, you've got Hull again, which is yeah, ridiculous. Yeah, I know. Again, three years in a row. Yeah, oh, and apparently Twitter is thinking because now the FA Cup is sponsored by Emirates that they're just giving us easy draws every round because... Why not? Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, I think we'll just continue to play rotated sides, but we won't play like the kids like Liverpool did against Exeter, and I think they did against West Ham as well. But um, we, won't do that. we won't go that far, but we'll rotate the side in the FA Cup and we'll play our full team in the uh, Premier League. And if, we're gonna, if we have to decide to focus on the competition, it'll obviously be that. But I think we will be able to challenge as well as we can considering we have Barcelona in the Champions League on all fronts all right Nick it's been a while since you've been on what have you made of Liverpool's time recently it's not been particularly great but it's, it's not been you know, particularly poor either I mean we could be in a worse position Jurgen Klopp's been in charge what since October I think it might even be earlier than that and you know he, he's got a lot of his passion and his you know you know commitment and, and things but on the pitch, in terms of Premier League, things haven't changed very much from when Rodgers was in charge. and It's possibly a case of he's just got to deal with Rodgers' squad, but transfer deadline day tomorrow and we've made one signing, which is Stephen Corker on loan. Oh, uh, Gruzic, who we've loaned back to wherever he came from. So he, it's not really very helpful to us. Um, in terms of this week, nothing happened. Uh, 120 minutes against Stoke on Tuesday. Didn't score. Going to Wembley, though, so possibly can't complain too much about that. Uh, be a decent day out. I mean, if we if we do win a cup this or this season, get one in early. Yeah, Europa League qualification there for next year, pretty early on. Um, the rest of the week uh, spent about how much Alex Texera is going to cost. Uh, then we played another ninety minutes against West Ham and didn't score. Some of the kids played as Dan just mentioned, uh, and they played quite well. I mean, uh, Stewart. Uh, had a decent game in midfield was a bit worried because he struggled a bit against Exeter especially in the replay and uh, when I saw West Ham's team it was quite a strong team and I thought he might struggle a bit in, in the centre of midfield but you know, he had a decent game a couple of shots which he probably shouldn't have had but he did uh, Benteke poor again meaning we probably 
would need to sign a striker tomorrow. As Daniel Sturridge is saying that he's not fit till March. As some people are saying uh, Jurgen Klopp is just not interested in him, which I don't think is true. I think he generally is just injured him. Some, but we've got a manager now who's actually going to wait for him to come back rather than just panic and put him back in the side. Some people want to sell him. So it's just you know, the same stuff in a different week with regards to storage. Oh, he's neither fit. We're paying him 150 grand a week. It's just getting a bit boring. I mean, I think if we do give him to the end of the season and he's sort of into next season, he's still having the same problems and you probably are thinking about selling him. But you've got to give him time to recover. Like John Flanagan's just come back from like 600 odd days injured and he's played two games and he's you know he's played all right in, in both the games especially on Tuesday night against Stoke um yeah the best thing about the the draw is we get to play another game we have about 10,000 games in February which is, <laughs> it's always good yeah I saw something yesterday about like the roundabout way that Manchester City might have an extra match next week because of like trickle down from you having matches against new wait they play new Ca- I don't even remember look it up online kids it was very confusing but yeah Liverpool obviously have tons of fixtures um, fortunately uh, for Klopp one of the reasons he doesn't really need to throw Surge back in is that Roberto Firmino finally looks like the player that you thought you had signed uh, are you fairly confident in him playing up front for the rest of the season? Um. No, probably not. He's he's played pretty well as the false nine, to be honest. And you know, from seeing him in the sort of the first half of the season, just before Christmas, I was just like, "Wow, we spent twenty eight million on this guy." But to be fair, he's, his last few games, so since the turn of the year at Arsenal and um, Norwich, especially, he's played pretty well and you know scored a couple of goals. But he's still that inconsistency with him, where he's not he's not going to be somebody who score every game or score a couple in one game. And then the next game we won't score, and, and Liverpool won't score. So I think we do need some sort of you know, help in that area because Benteke is just not firing at all. And Dan, what's the news out of Albion lately? Um, the news is uh, constant debate around Tony Pulis. Constant. It's like anything you, you can talk about anything at the club you can talk about players and it comes back to periodist you can talk about the infrastructure you can comes back to periodist you can talk about individual matches it comes back to periodist you can talk about the tea lady and it'll come back to periodist it is absolutely frustrating um the in out debate is is going to go on until he leaves the club i think Pretty much everybody accepts that now. Um, he's so divisive. I've talked about it before, um, but it's it's getting to the point where um, it's it's getting tough to be able to sit on the fence. Of you know, Pudis has done a great job. I'm, there's no denying that, um, and I'm not in favour of, of sacking a manager, um, especially at his point of the season. But if you were to say to me that Pulis can see us until the end of the season, get us to safety, get us to 40 points, um, and then we'll assess in the summer and, and see what sort of direction the club's going to take, then I think that would be certainly something that, that would interest me personally. Um, I, just, I just think that for the club to move together as a whole, as a fan base, as, as one then we need to be rid of, of Pulis, unfortunately, because it is, you've got a lot of people saying that they won't renew their season tickets if Pulis remains in charge. Um, and you can't, you can't argue with it with some of the football we've been served up this season. 
yes, it's a rebuilding project, and yes, there, there might be more signings to come, and yes, there might be more more of a chance of attacking football. But the signs at the moment aren't exactly promising. Um, and so there just has to be a solution for everybody at the club because I just I just want to be able to enjoy going to a pub before a game, enjoy talking about football and enjoy going to the game. Um, and unfortunately, because of the circumstances surrounding our club at the moment, it's just not possible to do that. And I mean, I just... I do, I do realise I, I sound like a Stoke fan from four, four, you know, three, four seasons ago, and and yeah, it is, it is just, uh, it's not the best supporting the baggies at the moment. Um, news out of the club is mainly surrounding um, Berahino, and I'm sure we're going to get to that shortly. Um, we've just, uh, we've just suffered. A late equaliser in the FA Cup to draw at home with Peterborough. Uh, we managed a fantastic four shots on target against them at home. Um, <laughs> well done, lads. Obviously, yeah, I've, I'm, I've, 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 we want I've, to avoid it because every time you come on, we try to avoid it, and every time something has happened that day. So, what what what's going on with me? You know. Um. Are we going to be talking transfer shortly? Yeah, we are. Uh, I can leave the transfer side of it for that. But in terms of him, um, he's unfit. He's slightly overweight. He's still clearly a very good finisher of a football. Um, He hasn't got up to too much in terms of bad behaviour recently. Although there was murmurings of something happening. Uh a few weeks ago when when Pulis came out and said he was very lucky to be on the bench. Um, his heart's not in it. He doesn't want to play for West Bromwich Albion. Um, and he's, he's, he's not smart enough to realise the best way of getting a move is by playing well and scoring goals um, because he's, he's blatantly bloody stupid. Uh, it, it's just uh, frustrating all round because you've got a player of immense talent for a club of our size who just doesn't want to play play for the club, um, and it it's I don't like it. It's I, mean, I want him gone as as soon as possible, and I hope for, hopefully that's going to be uh, today as you're listening to a podcast. All right, yeah, uh, for Tottenham, uh, we had a pretty nice win yesterday, two days ago, depending on when you're listening. Um, we won 4-1 against Colchester in you know, what, what was expected to be a win. Uh, but saying that takes away credit from me because I exactly predicted a 4-1 trans- <laughs> transfer, a 4-1 result for us uh, on the Thursday show. So that's pretty awesome for me. I don't know why I'm bragging about that. I'm wrong every other time. Uh, but anyway, uh, the only downside of that match really is that we played so many of our starters. But we did escape injury-free, and if they're all fit for Tuesday, I guess there's not really a big problem with it. Uh, Kieran Trippier, in particular, was very terrific. He 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 whips in so many good crosses <clears throat> that we just waste because I feel like our players are surprised every time a decent cross comes into the box because we do it so rarely. Like, oh, I should have probably ran to try to you know knock that in, tap that in for an easy goal. Um, fortunately, Nasser Chadley did charge one late in the match, got a, a header 
uh, at the near post, which was very lovely. But Trippier continues to be very impressive on the right. It looked like nobody was marking him the entire match, even though they were trying to. Uh, he just had loads of space. Uh, still a big debate amongst Tottenham fans of Walker versus Trippier, but that's really a testament to how good Trippier has been because Kyle Walker has improved a lot this season. And for that to, again, be the debate, I, I think really highlights how good he has played when he has been in uh, at right back for us. Uh, Harry Kane was probably the only disappointment in that he was very uninvolved in the match yet again while wearing the captain's armband, which is a little worrying for the future. Obviously, as long as we have Lloris, that's not going to change Hands? Arms? Whatever. Um, but it is very strange. If, if you look back at all the matches where he's been captain, they tend to be the ones where he kind of disappears. And I don't really know if that's a he's focusing on other things scenario, or I, I'm, I'm genuinely not sure. But hopefully uh, he can buck that trend sometime soon. Uh, Tommy Carroll had an awful match. I know everybody was really excited about him. <clears throat> I never particularly started to drink that brand of Kool-Aid. Uh, because if he isn't passing the ball where the, the if he isn't passing the ball well, there's no point in him playing for us, and he was not passing the ball well in this match against you know a League One opposition. But uh, he got a late goal, so all of a sudden actual analysis analysis of his play can just be tossed out because he scored a goal, so he must have had a great match. At least this was the opinion of a nameless commentator on Fox Sports who said he was very impressed by Tom Carroll in this match. And it's not very often that opinions can be wrong, but that was one of them. Fox Sports is an expert in wrong opinions. <laughs> they really are. Home of the wrongest opinion. <laughs> um, and the, the staggering thing is NBC Sports should stop televising commercials for the Premier League coverage. They should just have one commercial on for two seconds. And it's every time there's FA Cup matches on Fox. And it should just be like, it's better than this. And everyone would watch it because it's so ridiculous. Because this obviously started Friday with the Manchester United match. And the commentary on there is just awful. It, it's really, really bad. Hire did me. you see the graphic <laughs> where they put Everton essentially where Portsmouth is? Yep. Yes, yep. I did. They, mm, it's not great. And then their it's excuse is that they're less funded now because they lost the Premier League contract, but they have less money to spend on it because they lost the Premier League contract. It's a whole thing. Uh, anyway. Uh, that, that's no excuse for not knowing where Everton is. Correct. Correct it is not. Well, the graphics guy might have had to do it instead of like that's an true. expert guy. Right. graphics guy accidentally dra- or grabbed a, a water bottle of tequila instead of water and was directly <laughs> doing his job. I don't know what you're talking about. Okay, so... Uh, some transfer stuff that's been being kicked around. Um, it does look like we're going to loan Fazio to Sevilla, probably, because they're the only team that still think he's a good player. I also mentioned that on the last episode, that at some point some La Liga team would take a punt on him. does look like that is happening. Um, Musa, a.k.a. Tusa, a.k.a. Dembele Mark II, that deal doesn't seem to be on, uh, because... Uh, they only wanted uh, us to do a deal if we could loan him back for this half season, and we don't want to do that, and we could just go in for him in the summer. So it seems like that's what we're going to do there. Uh, Pochettino continues to claim that he's very happy with the options we have up front, Kane, Son, Chadley, and NG once he's fit. But the fact that we continue so actively looking for forwards seems to cast a little bit of doubt on that. Uh, But we haven't brought anyone in, which... Leads me to the topic today, which is, who has the final say on transfers at your club, and are you happy with how it's currently being run? We'll start off with Dan and Arsenal. 
Uh, well, I'm pretty sure everyone knows who has the uh, final say to us since Arsene Wenger. Um, Arsene Wenger is pretty much the infrastructure at Arsenal Football Club right now, at least on the pitch. Um, I'm happy with it. He does a good job. Well, I'm, I'm sure he doesn't spend as much as some Arsenal fans would like, but I have mean words to say to them. So, 200 million, uh, Dan! <laughs> yeah! Oh, wait a minute. We don't actually have that. It's most uh, more than half of it is committed elsewhere. Oh. Oh, 200 million. I don't care. I heard the number. Um, yep. mm-hmm. Retweet it. I swear. Um, yeah, no, I think Wenger does a good job. He is. <laughs> he understands how this stuff works better than fans, so um, that's nice. I, I don't think it's going to change anytime soon, which, and I'm fine with that. There's not a lot to say on it. Arsene Wenger runs Arsenal, whether people like that or not. It really doesn't matter. That's how it works. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep, fair enough. Uh, Nick, obviously, as neutrals, we always hear about the bickering back and forth that happened between Brendan Rodgers and this so-called transfer committee. Uh, is that actually how things are being run at Liverpool? To be honest, I've got no idea. and There's a lot of conflicting reports on what's actually happening. And as you've just mentioned there, there's a lot in the media about the, the transfer committee and, and the manager. I think the way our... Well, personally, the way I see it is it's not too different to... What happens at most clubs where you've got a group of guys who you know, go and look at targets, scout targets, and then they speak to the manager who then all decide whether they want to go for the target or not. But we were just stupid enough to give it a name, the transfer committee. And that was just a mistake that uh, the, the board, FSG, made by giving it a name. And ever since then, we've just been stuck with this barrage of abuse about our shitty transfer you and Villa did the same thing. You gave your you gave your analytics committee a name, or you publicized exactly. it big we time, and now everyone goes on about it whenever there's a mistake. Yeah, and there's a lot of oh, this person was a, a committee signing, this person was a Rogers signing, and it all depends on if you like the committee idea, all the good signings are committee signings, and if you like Brendan Rogers, all the good signings were Brendan Rogers signings. And there's nobody actually really knows. I don't think people say they do, and people can pretend they do. But personally, I don't think many people really know who signed who and who said yes and who said no, because the manager's on the committee anyway. So, in short, he's got to have some sort of say. But Klopp's come in. I'd like to think he's got the say, and he said he said that we wouldn't sign anyone unless he wanted them. So, I'm just going to take his word for it because I mean that's just easier and nicer to think about. Yeah, obviously you've been linked to a ton of German players, um, including Marc-Andre Ter Stegen, despite Mignolet just signing a new deal. Are those players that you're expecting that you'll go after in the future, or do you think it's kind of paper talk? Um, Ian Air was apparently in Barcelona a couple of weeks ago, so maybe the Ter Stegen thing's got some sort of legs, and I don't think he's getting to the Barcelona side, is he? don't really watch too much of Barcelona, and all you ever hear about from there is sort of messy Neymar and Suarez. So, yeah, I mean, there aren't actually other players at the club, according to the media. <laughs> it's just those three against eleven, and they keep winning. Yeah, they just keep and winning. They'll still yeah, win the Champions the League. <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, I mean, it'd be Ter Stegen's, you know, possibly somebody I would be interested in, purely based on the fact that Mignolet is pretty rubbish. Uh, the whole goalkeeping thing. He signed a new contract, but contracts don't mean very much in football anymore. So, I think that's possibly just to protect some of his value. Or if we end up not being able to sign a goalkeeper, he's possibly better than uh, the other options that we've got, i.e. Adam Bogdan. Uh, Alex Texera is obviously another one. 
which uh, we'll probably come on to again a bit later. But, you know, clubs are just trying to shaft us for as much money as possible. We fell for it before with the likes of Benteke and Carroll. I just hope that we're only going to pay the big money for you know somebody who's actually worth it. But it's difficult to say that until they're actually in a red shirt and, and played a couple of games. Royce to Liverpool. That's what I'm hearing. Be all right. I'll take that. Even though he's <laughs> had a couple of injuries, but, you know, big name. That's true, actually. Of all the clubs that would want Royce, it actually might not be you guys having another injury-prone player at the club. Also, Arsenal. Royce to Tottenham. I think that's where I'm <laughs> landing on that. You All think right, that, Dan. Devin, you think that. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I'm going to. Although, this is kind of off topic. But um, I don't know if you guys remember, a year, year ago, two years ago, I started all the tweets of, like, as soon as Chelsea were about to kick someone out, I'd say so-and-so to Tottenham, which included De Bruyne, obviously, back in the day, Sherlo when he was leaving, Mata when he was leaving. And one of my friends pointed out that every time I did one of those, they didn't come to Tottenham. So I've tried really hard to not do that in this transfer window. But based on who I've already said is coming, Royce and Oyoza Perez both can't come because I've already hashtagged in them. Um, <laughs> but that nonsense aside, uh, Dan, obviously West Brom's uh, transfer dealings have been made very public by the club. Is that something that you can stand behind? And does Jeremy Peace have the final say on all transfer matters? Uh, yeah, I'd say that Jeremy Peace has the final say in terms of Yes, the deal will go ahead, and or no, it won't. But in terms of setting up the deals, we've we've sort of gone down in recent years the European route of. Um, we had Dan Ashworth, who was our, our technical, well, he was our director of football sort of position, um, and he he was like the the go between between the manager and the uh, sorry the head coach. We like we like to confuse matters, um, and. The um, and the chairman, uh, and then since he's left, um, we appointed Terry Burton, who had a role um, of director of football of sorts, and then we had a director of football administration, um, who also helped set up the deals, but with a less footballing, less of a footballing background. Um, since this summer, Terry Burton's left his post, so we've got a director of football administration with no football background, and then we've got Tony Pulis helping him. It's well documented that Pulis likes to use his own agents and ones that he's comfortable with using, um, and it's also fairly well documented as well that Pulis, um, yeah, he, he likes to set deals up so that you can sort of I'm not sure I can say what I'm going to say I'm, anyway <laughs> um, basically yeah Pudis does like to do things his way um, and yeah it, it's you just know for a fact that Pudis has come into the club last season and he said look I'm going to keep you up but you know things have got to be done this way um, and, and our chairman in the position that we're in has probably just, you know, gone, OK, that's that's fine. Um, however long that's going to continue, I'm not sure. Um, but Pulis does have the final say. Um, and, you, you know, it, it's not a bad thing. It's not a good thing. It's just 
how it is at the moment. Whether when PewDiePie leaves, we go back to our previous methods, I'm not sure. Um, but it can be tough when you've got a man like PewDiePie who has his contacts and has to have deals presented in in the way he wants them to be. It can be quite tough in probably getting deals over the line. Um, and it probably also means that you also miss out a, on a large pool of players because Pulis will only deal with certain people. So, yeah, God, I sound so frustrated tonight. It's not like me, is it, eh? <laughs> it's never happened before. Um, <laughs> uh, okay, well, we talked about it a little bit earlier. May as well mention it a bit here. Uh, more news that multiple teams have put in bids for Berahino, and you've just said that you're not selling point blank. Whose decision do you think that is? I think the decision on Berahino will ultimately be the chairman's. Um, and we know our chairman, he's like uh, he's like Ebenezer Scrooge. He, he ain't going to be tough for a mug. Um, people think that Daniel Levy is a tough negotiator. They haven't met Jerry Peace. Um, I've, I genuinely believe now that Peace will probably give the go-ahead for a deal late tomorrow. Um, for I reckon he'll probably go for something between 25 and 27 million, I reckon, once the day's gone, once, once Newcastle or Stoke or Tottenham get desperate for the signing. You know, the ball's in Pulis's court. I mean, sorry, in Peace's court. And I think that he'll, he'll demand a little bit more from um, from the clubs that want to sign him. So, yeah, it will be it will be um, the chairman's say, and I don't think the manager will have much say in it. But you know, I think secretly behind closed doors, I don't think Pulis is that fussed whether we get Berahino, whether we keep Berahino or not um, with his attitude of late. And you know, if if Pulis gets some of that money, should he still be at the club in the summer to to reinvest in the squad? I'm sure he'll be pleased with that. Um, so, so yeah, I think I think it it uh, the the deal. Will uh, will fall on the chairman. All right, yeah. For Tottenham, things have uh, gotten a little more muddled this window. We talked about this just two months ago. Um, it seemed that Pochettino really had the final say on most moves, in so much as Daniel Levy got very far down the route of selling Eric Lamela, got very far down the road of also trying to ship Musa Dembele out from the club, only for Pochettino to say no. Um, Although later we also heard that Musa Dembele agreed and he, he wanted to stay and fight for his place as well, which is probably why Poch wanted to keep him in the first place. Uh, is that something he values very highly? So at that time, it seemed like it was entirely him. Now, the big question for all Tottenham fans right now is, why don't we have another striker yet? And really, who's accountable for that? And we continue to hear everyone with the same rank-and-file answer of we're happy with our squad, whether it be Pochettino, whether it be Daniel Levy, uh, even if it's Paul Mitchell, who's our technical director. Um, it, it's very interesting because nobody knows where this is originating. Do we not have the money that we want to spend? Are we fully believing Pochettino's quotes that he's not just going to bring somebody in, he's only going to bring somebody that's a good fit on and off the pitch? There does seem to be more credence to that than I believed when we first talked about this probably two weeks ago. We, we talked about that on the show um, because he's since come out and said that uh, he's hesitant to bring in forwards after what happened with Danny Osvaldo at Southampton. So you add that 
to a chairman that already kind of doesn't want to spend and has himself been burned recently with the Soldado and Adebayor deals. Kind of feels like nobody at Tottenham wants to sign any forwards. It's gone so poorly lately for both individuals and for the club itself. Uh, as Nick mentioned, it is a kind of group effort. It's Paul Mitchell identifying talent, five players at each position, taking it to Pochettino. He's like, these ones. Then he goes to leaving. He's like, pay for them. <laughs> but obviously, none of that has happened. Uh, apparently, a lot of our uh, players that we've kind of highlighted have either re-signed contracts, which happens all the time, or they aren't ready to leave their club midway through the season, or they don't want to leave their club, period. Um, <clears throat> things like Omar Niasse, who we've scouted for multiple months, now looks like he could be on his way to Everton. Why isn't he coming to Tottenham? Who knows? Uh, but... Anyway, you just have all of these wins swirling. I, I think that, similar to what Dan was saying, obviously the manager has input, but I think it's Daniel Levy at the end of the day. He's the one cutting the checks, and, and so I think it does come down to him. But if directly confronted, we have seen evidence that Pochettino can undo a decision that's seemingly been made, specifically with the Lamela deal when he was supposed to go to France. And, and the newspapers were already reporting it. It was all all green lights, both in France and England. And then at the last minute, Pochettino was like, nope. And so then we, we killed that deal. So uh, I, I think that it's a much healthier way of dealing with it than, than we did in the past. Players didn't come in under AVB that AVB wanted. Uh, it's been mentioned many times. He wanted basically everybody that was on his Porto team. And uh, Levy did not agree. We wanted... Uh, Joel Matinho, I'm sure everybody remembers that saga. That was the big, you know, breaking news that whole day on Sky Sports and fell apart at the end. So we got Clint Dempsey instead because he was four million pounds instead of twenty some. So I do think we're past that, but uh, like I said, I think there's a lot of hesitancy at Tottenham to make the deals. I'm fine with it, other than the fact that it leaves us short. Like even the year when we were in third and it looked like we were going to make Champions League until Chelsea won the Champions League and knocked us out of it. Even that year, we acknowledged that we needed to bring in somebody, and we brought in Ryan Nelson and Louis Saha, which were not inspiring moves, but at least they were moves, which is what the fans want. But again, Pochettino doesn't want to just make moves. He wants to make the right move, which is a very long, strenuous, and calculated process uh, on which we do not seem to be making much traction uh, this particular window. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist. To find out if it's right for you. All right, now we are going to head into Player Watch, where instead of talking about a player that impressed or disappointed, we're going to be talking about a deal that's most likely for your club to make before the transfer window closes. And if there's not one, what's a deal that you'd expect to make either this window or the next? We'll start off with Dan and Arsenal. Um, Messi? Uh, no, yeah, nothing. Left? <laughs> He's going to jail. Uh, Not in England. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't think that's how jail works. But um, uh, yeah, I don't. I don't think anything's gonna happen. I'm ninety nine percent sure nothing's gonna happen this window. Next window, um, maybe a striker if one comes available. That that's probably the next next port of call if Elneny covers the defensive midfield hole. Uh, really, there aren't that many holes in the squad. It's just about replacing the people who are going to leave this summer, which would be Brzezicki, Flamini, please dear God, uh, Arteta. And I feel like there's one more that I'm missing, but I can't think of it at the moment. Um, yeah, it's really just going to be about depth next summer and maybe a striker. It's not a lot needs to happen. We've got a good squad. It's working pretty well right now. We're in the title race, and... Yeah, although like I, I'm sure striker is going to be the thing that pops up, and if we don't sign one, people will riot, and that's how Twitter works. But hey, whatever. Yep, fair enough, Nick. You already mentioned a couple times. I guess now is as good a time as any to get in depth on it. This Alex Teixeira deal. Yes, no, maybe. We need a lot of players, I think personally, and a striker's possibly top of the list now, just because of the lack of goals in the side. They scored five against Norwich, I know, but. Other than that, we've barely hit over two in a game. Yeah, Texera, uh, the Shakhtar billionaire uh, owner, he just he's not going to sell just for a small amount of cash because, to be honest to him, cash doesn't really mean anything. He's he's a, probably a football fan. You know, wants to you know, try and see his team win. And if he if he can get a, a load of cash for a player which you know wants to leave and they can improve the squad using that cash, then that's what he's going to do. I don't think he's going to be tempted to go for a lower offer which doesn't meet his valuation although his valuation is pretty ridiculous at what 50 odd million pounds or whatever it's been it's been touted out this week do I see it happening a couple of journos are saying yeah a couple of you know in the nose on, on Twitter are also saying that it, it could still happen but I don't think so and for the amount of money that, that it is we could just wait till, till the summer and possibly sign Mario Gertz over the same same kind of money and for me personally, I've seen Mario Goethe play, uh, scored in the World Cup final. I'm, I've never seen Texera play, so I can't comment too much on that. But I'd go to more towards Goethe than than Texera. But you know, somebody might say I'm wrong. Um, a couple of shouts for uh, Cheryshev from Real Madrid. I don't know if Ooh. I'm saying that right. I'm rubbish at uh, yeah. pronunciation. Yeah, um, yeah, Although you still have Markovic on loan. That still baffles me as to why he's not with Liverpool right now. Yeah, we'll come back next season, though, and 
you know that's something that I think he he will stay with the squad next year. Uh, Brendan Rodgers just didn't like him. I think that was another one of the the committee versus Brendan Rodgers things, and you know whichever or side of the barrier you fell on. It was uh, either Markovic was shit or um, it was a committee side and Rodgers didn't like him. So you know I was sort of in the middle. He didn't have a great season, but I'm not going to rule him out if he if he does come back. Yeah, I wouldn't rule us out for a, for a bid for Berry. You know, if it gets late on in the day and we're still looking for a striker, generally we wouldn't rule us out just because we sort of do that thing and pay big money for English strikers. Yeah, as we speak, Emmanuel Emanike just signed with West Ham. That's another striker coming to the Premier League. Well, we only have one and you're playing an attacking midfielder as forward. <laughs> uh, couldn't make 32 it. 32 million pounds on the bench, though. <laughs> Oh, yeah. As someone That's... that plays FIFA, that signing terrifies me. Yeah, it's going to be really frustrating. Also, West Ham have a surprisingly really good amount of service. Uh, I, from, a, from a fantasy aspect, apparently we're going here now. I've always liked whoever was up front for West Ham this year when it was Sacco before he got hurt. Now it's Valencia, scored two last week. Uh, okay, no, never mind. I don't like Yelovich. Uh, <laughs> uh, but anyway... Um, all right, Dan, uh, with West Brom, we've already talked about Berahino endlessly. Any other deals that you might be looking for, either then or in the summer? Um, in a route, by the way. I saw something about Pocagnoli <laughs> leaving, because for some reason he never plays for you. I still never understood. Uh, that Pocky. good, huh? <laughs> <laughs> you might get some words now. Um, Pocagnoli, he's uh, he had a very good start that season for us. Pulis came in and he hasn't had a look in. Um, it's it's sort of a running joke amongst Baggies fans that uh, he's um, he's not been given a chance, and and we joke that he's still a, whether he's still alive or whether he's been kidnapped by Pulis and. Whatever, but he, he just hasn't had much of a He's chance. So you know, we, we've, we've, we've lost... He's we've in the lost... MDK bunker. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We've, we've lost is that where Welbeck is? <laughs> in, um, we've, we've lost a left-back in... Uh, in Chris Brunt, who, who was actually a, a left midfielder, but, you know, he's a left-back. And then instead of putting Pocanoli in, who's a left-back, who also gets on the bench, strangely enough... We go and put Johnny Evans at left back, or or we'll go and put Jonas Olsen at left back, or we'd go and put Les Scott before he signed Villa at left back, before giving Pocanoli an opportunity, who is a left back, and a Belgian international at that. So, yeah, he says he hasn't got a vendetta against Pocanoli, but it wouldn't surprise me if he makes a move tomorrow. And apparently, the the club in for him are, are Wolves, and so he'd hardly be endeared to endearing himself to Baggy's fans if he makes that move. Um, so, yeah, he, he's one that could be on his way. Berahino, that could well go ahead. Um, I'm I'm hoping it does. Um, I don't think the deal will have any bearing on our incoming signings because, but you know, if, if a signing's going to be coming, it's more than likely going to be well underway. We've talked by now. Um, and I, I just... I don't think that you know we'll be spending the Berahino money should he go. 
but it's just not going to be enough time to do that. Um, so the Berahino money will likely come into come into the club and and then be spent again in the summer. Um, we've we've signed Sandro on loan. Some oh, fans. Oh yeah, I meant to talk about that. I'm excited about that. I'm not even well, a Maggie's fan. S- some some fans are unhappy about that because pleasing a West Bromwich Albion fan nowadays is just doesn't happen. They're all bitter and twisted. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, you know, if you'd have said to me as an Albion fan. You know, 15 years ago when we were struggling in Division 1 or the Championship as it is now, um, you know, signing players for a pittance for less than 100 grand, trying to stay in the league, you know, we were proper shit, really. (laughs) If you'd have said that in 15 years' time we'd be signing a Brazilian international with 17 caps... And our fans have been moaning about it. <laughs> I'd, have, I'd have told you to do one. But um, that's where the club finds itself. Uh, yeah, I reckon it'll be a great signing myself. He's, if he's um, fit. I mean, there there was that like six-month period in, what, 2012, I guess yeah, it was? When he was like yeah. the best holding midfielder in the league. Yeah, he's got a lot of quality. There's no There's no doubt that he's got a lot of quality. Whether you can get that out of him or not, I mean that's the kind of thing Pudis is good at, isn't it? Honing the potential of of, of a player. Um, whether we see it or not, I've, you know, I, I hope to God we do. Um, Fletcher's out injured. We're not sure how long for. It's been fairly hush hush at us, so it, it leads me to thinking that Fletcher could be out for a little while. Um, and so Sandro going in there to play with Jakob could be a fantastic partnership in defensive midfield. Um, but coming back to to, to the side of Berahino, um, I reckon it's going to be like a, an 8, 9 o'clock, 9 p.m. sort of deal tomorrow night. Um, and I reckon, it's go- I reckon that we're going to get 26 million out of him for... for for some some club, he's gonna just trump another club and say, "Right, we'll pay the silly money, the silly money that you want." Um, I don't think that club's gonna be Tottenham because they've already proved in the summer that they're not willing to put down the hard cash that that Pudis wants, uh, that sorry Peace wants. Because We're willing to do it over ten years. <laughs> that is the issue. Yeah, it's like it's like we'll we'll give you fifty p if he you know if he wears his boots in a particular fashion <laughs> we'll give you two pound fifty should he you know wears you know cut his hair it it was a deal structured over ridiculous amounts of um outcomes and I don't think our club were very interested in that so if newcastle as rumored have have put down a twenty one million pound cash up front offer and are rumoured to be coming back with 24 million. I reckon we could probably get another couple of million either out of Newcastle or possibly Stoke or or maybe even uh, a Liverpool or, or a Spurs or whoever fancies him. Really, um, I did I did joke on Twitter a little early that I'll drive I'll drive him to Newcastle myself for 24 million. Um, of course, he's got a driving ban, so he does actually need someone. To drive. <laughs> so uh so yeah as long as he's gone from our club i mean and that tells any potential suitors his attitude and behavior you know i want him gone from our club and he's probably the best player that we've seen in 15 years 
he's he's an arsehole and I'll, I'll want him gone. So uh, I don't. To be honest, if 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 we get fifteen million for him, I, I couldn't care less as long as he leaves now because I've had enough of him. He's a tosser. I feel like if you drove him up to Newcastle, he wouldn't make it to Newcastle. <laughs> <laughs> Ejecto Cito, cuz. Uh, that reference was, brought to you by Too Fast, Too Furious. Uh, uh, probably, probably not. All right, yeah, for Tottenham, as I mentioned, the Dembele deal seems to have fallen through, but he did already pass his medical, so it could be revived at any point uh, and in any semblance. Although, like I said, I would more expect us to be looking for uh, a deal to get him on a free in the summer, although there would be a tribunal fee. Um, and hopefully Liverpool wouldn't come back and get vengeance on us. Where uh, we got Trippier for super cheap because we offered a lot of money for Ings, which is why they're going to have to pay more, which is kind of rude, but pretty expected from Daniel Levy. Um, so yeah, that deal could be reversed at any point. Uh, do I think that we're going to sign a striker tomorrow? Uh, okay, well, we'll rephrase that. Do I think we'll sign a striker that stays with the club starting from when we signed him? maybe 15%. It's it's very low. I really don't think we're going to be involved in much tomorrow. Uh, I do think the Fazio deal will be confirmed. Milos Velkovic, who I've talked about many times on this podcast for no reason, because Pochettino's never rated him for some reason, uh, does look like he is moving abroad to Werder Bremen, I believe it was. Uh, so I, I would expect to have both of those become official tomorrow. Uh, but really, I, I don't think we're going to see any incomings the only one that might get done would be James Madison, potentially, from Coventry in a Della Ali-esque deal, uh, where we would also leave him at, at, at uh, Coventry for the time being and then bring him in later, uh, another player that we've been scouting for quite some time, but may not be doing that uh, now anyway. So uh, I will move on to what happens in the summer. And I said something to say that I'm willing to say on air, uh, not for a FIFA bet because that's gone horribly wrong. Uh, with Buffett, Timmy Gomis, but if we make the Champions League, I am 85% sure that we will be signing uh, Axel Witzel. Uh, there's been a lot of talk back and forth. He said multiple times and named us that he's interested in coming to us, uh, and he was one of the players that we were very, very interested in bringing in uh, in the summer, only for the deal to not go through because of Zenit and their place in the Champions League. So if we make it this year, with all of his best friends already at the club, I think that that deal does get done. And it's in a position we'd need because while we do have a lot of depth in central midfield, it isn't Champions League depth. Uh, we aren't rolling out Tommy Carroll and Ryan Mason in the Champions League if we do indeed make it next year. So having a player like Witzel in there I think would be very important. Both sides are willing. I do think that deal does get done if we do make the Champions League. All right, and because we are stuck in between match days uh, with the FA Cup having happened over the weekend, Premier League happening midweek, we are going to do match previews. We'll start off with Dan. What's your view of Arsenal's upcoming match against Southampton? Um, well, I mean, we're at home. We should be expected to win. I actually wrote a preview for this on uh, EPLNX.com. It should be out tomorrow morning, so when you're listening to this, or maybe later. Um, and... Southampton have actually, I was still under the impression they were in poor form. They've actually won their last three uh, and kept clean sheets in all of them, so that's slightly worrying. They did kind of destroy our everythings when we played them at St. Mary's, 4-0. That wasn't fun. That was really not fun. It was but, fun um, for me. If, if, oh, what's his name? The right back, Cuco Martina. 
can't be oh, how you pronounce yeah, that. Yeah, that random if, guy. That if he doesn't play, help. we might. If he doesn't play, we should be all right. Or should I call him Roberto Carlos? <laughs> um, yeah, if he doesn't play, we should be all right. But um, I think we'll win. I do. We haven't been the best of form, but I think we'll win. We've got Alexis and Ozil back. We've got Coughlin back or Onani, whichever Wenger chooses to play, uh, which means Fl- Flamini doesn't have to play, which is a huge bonus. Uh, Murdesacker will be back from suspension. We really should have as close to a first 11 as you can get. So, yeah, I'd like to think we can beat Southampton at home. Charlie, if, for a fantasy point of view, Charlie Austin could be interesting since um, he might start with um, since he scored in his last game and uh, he scored home and away against us last year. Mm. And Graziano Pella really hasn't done much of anything. Really. He's really not good. <laughs> But he's tall and Italian. Uh, all right. Good uh, hair. <laughs> very, very good hair. I don't know if you noticed, Charlie Austin already has the same hair now. It, like, it, as soon as he signed for Southampton, I don't know if it was in his contract. I don't know what that was all about. Whenever he walks um, through the door, it just starts to take a spray and just boom. <laughs> as you walk out onto the pitch, it's just like a shower. Uh, all right. Uh, Nick, what's your take on Liverpool's upcoming match against Leicester? Well, I definitely wouldn't be thinking. If you were to say to me in August that Liverpool would be playing the, the league leaders at uh, the King Power Stadium on the 2nd of February, that we'd be talking about Leicester. But, you know, they've managed to, to keep up the run of form, although Jimmy Vardy's not scored uh, for a while, I don't think. So he's a bit off the boil. Um, went to the game at Anfield on Boxing Day, which... We won, I think. Yeah, Maybe you won one nil. One nil. It was such a good game. <laughs> but yeah, if we, if we yeah, in a, in a match where everybody assumed there would be tons of goals because neither of your defenses are particularly great. It was a pretty. Yeah, it's probably going to be that time where, where the assistant referee just said, "I don't know the offside rule." <laughs> oh yeah, for the um, yeah, yeah for the, the very end when like the goalkeeper's not there. And, <laughs> I, I, I have no idea how they got that wrong, but because they were there were like four people off sides. <laughs> oh well, life goes on. We didn't score. Ben's like a <laughs> but yeah, I think um, you know, build on the back of the Norwich result, build on the back of going to Wembley. Not so much drawing against West Ham, although I suppose drawing against West Ham is better than being beat by them, which we have done twice already this season. Still haven't scored a goal against them, but you know, hopefully we can score a goal against Leicester. Uh, knock, well, to be honest, I'd rather them not win the league because that's just another team that has won a Premier League and we haven't. So we need to stop that from happening. And Sorry to push you for a score. Oh, push you for a score. We ain't going to score that many goals, will they? No, possibly not. It's going to be 1 0 either way. Great. Liverpool. Bench all of your Leicester Liverpool players in fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Well, apart from your defenders. Although, if you've got a Liverpool defender or a Leicester defender, then what are you doing? I don't know. Christian Fuchs is pretty good. Offers you a lot of assist potential because he takes all the corners. I think I've got Robert Huth, actually, because he's, like, cheap. (laughs) Uh, Well, then you got points for him beating Tottenham. Except you probably (laughs) didn't start him because that looked like a bad matchup on paper. But, you know, I'm just infinitely sad. Whatever. Uh, All right. (laughs) Next up is me talking about Tottenham and our visit to Carrow Road. Obviously, they just shipped five goals to Liverpool, who 
you just heard Nick say, don't have the most prolific attack at the moment. Feeling pretty confident about this one, to be honest. Uh, I have Kane as my number one rated striker this week, and that includes Aguero against Sunderland. So, you know, bias or acumen, take your pick. <laughs> um, but uh, I am very confident in this one. Norse did show a pretty good uh, scoring rate last week, although I think a lot of that could be chalked up to some iffy defending on Liverpool's part. Uh, it will be interesting to see how we cope without Jan Vertonghen. Kevin Vimmer has been excellent on his own, but being part of our Premier League eleven is something that he has yet to do other than uh, as a substitute. So hopefully we can figure that out pretty quickly. Should be at full strength, uh, so not too concerned about injuries or, or fitness, which I mentioned earlier in the show. So I'm going to go conservative and say 3-1 Tottenham. All right, and Dan, how do you see your match against Swansea? Also, uh, we haven't talked about this. The thing about the Newcastle deal that you might not want to sell to relegation rivals, is that really how West Brom fans are viewing this season? Can we just sell him? I, I, I don't care who we sell him to. I, I don't even I don't, I don't view Newcastle as anything but just another Premier League team. Right, but are you worried about going down at all? It, it uh, seems like there are a lot of teams that are worse off. I don't, I don't think you should be. The, the, yeah. doom, the doom mongers probably are. I'm not quite so worried. Pulis will somehow drag wins out of a team, as he does. So I've got, I mean, there's plenty of time to go. And we've, we've only really got 13 points to, to make up. And I'm sure we can do that. So, yeah, yeah we'll, 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 we'll be fine. Um, and you're, in, you're not so, going to need 40 to stay out this year. Probably <laughs> not, no. 38, yeah. maybe. So this isn't a six-pointer, but still facing Swansea, how do you think that match will go? Well, the the away tie at um, at, at Swansea was uh, probably the worst game I've been to <laughs> this this season. That's what Gitto was saying as well. Oh, God, it was dreadful. Um, and... We were awful. Swansea was slightly tiny, little bit better, um, but I think Swansea have come on a slight bit since then. I wouldn't be surprised if we lose this one. Um, we're in. We're not looking the best going forward. As I said a bit earlier, we've we've managed uh, we've managed just what is it? Four shots? No, five shots on target in our last four games in all competitions. Um, that's simply simply not good enough if you want to score goals and win games. Um, but, you know, I say we're going to lose and then we'll probably turn it on and win some games, win win, uh, win a game for it. You know what I mean? I don't know. I just... It's just the same old repetitive rubbish. Staying in the Premier League next season while we're going to stay in the Premier League we're going to fail in the FA Cup. We're going to fail in the League Cup. We're going to stay in the Premier League. It's just a bit dull and boring. Well, at least pos- next year's thing up in the Premier League equals a crap ton of money. Uh, yeah, true. I mean, I'm not where I want us to get relegated or anything, but it's modern football. It's going down a pan. Um, so yeah, I think I think I think that uh, I think the Swansea will probably I think the Swansea will probably do us. I reckon. Um. All right, love the optimism. <laughs> Hashtag fatalist, Dan. <laughs> That's how we'll know the two of you from, from now on. Uh, all right, on that very exciting note, we are out of time. So if you have any projects you'd like to plug or want to tell people where to reach you, now would be a good time. 
Uh, yeah, I'm still Dan. You can still catch me on Twitter at the underscore jersey underscore fits, and you can see all the writing and podcasting and stuff I say that probably means nothing on Twitter. So you get me there. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I'm Phil Index Fantasy Football, back this week uh, with the host of this podcast, Kev, and we're going to be doing uh, some stuff between our Fantasy Football podcast and Kev's Fantasy Football podcast in the upcoming weeks. Should be exciting. You know, we, we pretend to know what we're talking about, so... Definitely give it a listen. Yeah, cheers for listening to me ramble on because I'd certainly have rambled on tonight. Um, you can find further ramblings on from me um, over at Crystal Palace website, the Eagles Beak, as I write about the, the Premier League for him. Um, yeah, the latest one was a bit of a rant about Tony Pulis, actually. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Actually, just don't read that. Don't listen to me and don't follow me on Twitter because it's, it's just no good. Thanks for having me on. If you don't want to follow him on Twitter, he's definitely not at Baggies Facts. Um, for me, I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, at Kevroff on Twitter. Uh, as Nick mentioned, I am going to be on their fantasy show this week, and then they'll be returning the favor the following week on the FPL Roundtable, which goes up on Thursday mornings on this very channel. Obviously host this. I have a fantasy article that goes up weekly over at theeaglesbeak.com. And for other fantasy stuff, go over to blog.playtalga.com or just playtalga.com for player updates and such. All right, thanks so much for joining us, guys. It's been a pleasure as always, and we hope you keep listening. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com.